Hello, this is Jay Khadija Abdurrahman, and we're on the We Be Imagining podcast. It's 2.34 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Tuesday, November 24th, 2020. Um, this is the We Be Imagining podcast, a project of Columbia University's The American Assembly and Insight Center. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm here with my co-host, Alain Mandel. What's up, Alain? Good afternoon, Khadija. How's it going? Uh, I'm Alain Mandel. I'm a PhD student at Cornell Tech. In the information science department, I use he, him pronouns. Dope. And I'm uh, one of the shortcomings of the podcast is that we really want to center the voices of people who are non-academics, but academics tend to have the best Wi-Fi. Um, so I'm really excited to have here today uh, Abby Doon Henderson. Abby hails from a family of activists. After her father's passing, she decided to turn her own community where she was inspired by members of the local food movement. The Come Up Project was born out of the program Gangsters to Growers. Inspired by a former neighbor and friend, Mike, Abby merged her knowledge and passion around agriculture and community engagement with Mike's desire to pipe out of the prison industrial system. And I was introduced to Abby Doon through Carrie Fisher, who was on our episode Connecting the Dots of Agroecology in the Global South. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you. And Abby, if you would like to share um, a little more about yourself outside of the traditional bio and about the Come Up Project, Gangsters to Growers. Yeah, thank you for um, having me on here. Um, yeah, just first give an honor to my uh, crew, ancestors of West Africa, um, Liberia. They were known as the hardest to enslave. Um, so give an honor to them. Um, you know, I just, uh, coming from Brooklyn with a Liberian mama and, uh, a dad that was a father who was, you know, my mother basically raised me as a single mother. Um, my father was around. Um, but, uh, yeah, just coming from a family that's not necessarily full of activists, but just like conscious, active type people. My mother being a social worker, um, opening a school, uh, you know, when I was in eighth grade, right before she died of AIDS from some dude she was messing with. Um, my dad was a Black Panther um, back in the day. Um, you know, when I knew him, he was a, a gambler and uh, <laughs> and a comedian. Um, and I, you know, have other folks in my family that have done uh, movement work. Um, and in 2011, you know, when the Occupy movement started, I wanted to get active. I was always that type of person that was like, yeah, you know, we need to do this and look at the way the government is like this. And, you know, just having those conversations when I worked as a waitress um, for many years, the only kind of job I held for like 15 years. Um, so wherever I worked, I'd have political type conversations, but it wasn't until 2011 and this brother from New York, um, as I was living in Atlanta, uh, this brother from New York started Occupy the Hood and going to check them out at Occupy Congress uh, early uh, 2012. I was like, that looks like the Black Panthers. Um, that seems like it. That feels like it. Um, I want to do that. You're talking about creating programs in your own neighborhood, um, creating programs in your own neighborhood and food first. Um, I like it. So I, when I came back to Atlanta, um, I hooked up with other folks from Occupy the Hood uh, that weren't necessarily like real politicized, honestly. You know, we were like doing like feed the people type, uh, you know, events and things like that. And I, I always just felt um, like it was missing something. I was just like, we're just standing around, like watching people get food. It's like hella people on one side of the table with not enough things to do. And a lot of people lined up to get the food. And there's another truck over there giving away food, another place over there giving away food. I'm like, we need to uh, do more. So, you know, like, let's do some political education. Let's, you know, and from that kind of, it kind of formed the type of organizer I wanted to be and hooked up with other folks. A uh, sister from Philly, Mukaji, who, who was with Occupy the Hood Philly, she moved down to Atlanta. We had babies in not our house that summer, 2012. Um, started a garden on my block with the help of a Muslim brother from up the street. I, um, I I'm focused on the southwest side of Atlanta. Um, 
I ended up coming to this side because of Pearl Kledge and the books that she used to write reminded me of Brooklyn. Books she used to write based off of Iman J- J- Jaleel. If I'm saying that, I'm sorry, H. Rat Brown. H. <laughs> Rat Brown and how he used to rock in the West End, you know, um, as Iman and the organizing he did. And I was like, that neighborhood sounds cool. Um, but anyway, yeah, we 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 ended up uh the next year started a camp in the community that was free uh for the community. Um we ain't take no pay, you know. Um I ended up going through a urban growers training program late 2012 to early 2013. Um uh, one of the black premier gardens, urban gardens here in Atlanta, uh True Living Well. Uh, taught me what I knew and um, ended up taking over the garden that was up the street that was kind of defunct, the Westview Community Garden. Um, did that for five years. In the meantime, we did a camp for three years um, where we did all different kind of workshops. They did gardening, uh, went on you know field trips, all the things. Um, and life was good and it felt simple and easy and like community was coming together we we weren't able to stop gentrification like we wanted to but uh as that progressed and being part of the community organization westview community organization and seeing how gentrification really works like one day we're gonna write a book on that shit um it was it was so well organized white folks are so well organized yo just <laughs> <laughs> like they just become part of the community organization and then the here in Atlanta we have the neighborhood planning units so we're in uh NPUT which is uh um several community organizations uh together right and then it goes into city council so community organizations the MPUs and then city Abby. council yes baby so, so, so I, sorry I, I, to I ramble. <laughs> that was amazing. Oh my goodness. I ramble. So. Nah, I appreciate like the community oral history right off the top. Um, no, that was really that's uh, really dope. I appreciate that. But for our listeners who may not be familiar with where the project is at now, could you just outline exactly what is Gangsters to Growers and what is the Come Up Project, and so we can kind of connect the dots from to the origin story. So, I mean, so just real quick, um, you know, by 2016, being part of this community organization, seeing gentrification and all the things um, and rocking with the young people in the neighborhood. Now, not moving out of the not moving out of, but knowing the middle schoolers, the high schoolers, and then also knowing some 20 year olds and um, and seeing, you know, how folks were. uh having to hit licks, meaning, you know, rob or whatever to survive. And then being at these community meetings, I'm part of the executive committee because I was running the community garden and all that. Um, you know, I was just like, you know, folks need money. <laughs> I was like, we, we need, folks need money. We don't need more police. Cause everybody's always asking, you know, can we get more police in the neighborhood and all this mess? And I'm, you know, I'm like, no, we need economic opportunity whatever else. And folks like, oh, you're so cute, garden lady. And um, I'm just like, okay. <laughs> and then also realizing that rocking with the, uh, so several things, rocking with the Black farm community, um, realizing we don't have enough labor to do what we want to do, to be self-sufficient or uh, food secure with all these Atlanta's popping when it comes to Black farmers and gardeners and just these training programs, Habesha and True Living Well you know, birthed uh, from 2012 or 2011 to 2016. Well, Habesha is still doing it, you know what I'm saying? Which stands for helping Africa by establishing schools home and abroad. They're still pumping out like young black agrarians, you know, Um, but just pumping out all this talent and folks that want to make a change by growing food um, but there's still not enough labor. And then on the other side, I'm I'm still working in restaurants. You know, I'm I'm not trying to get paid off any of the work I'm doing. I'm like, I, I work in fine dining, I'm straight. And but seeing the fight for 15, working with the unions and seeing how folks ain't getting paid, 
and, you know, saying that, you know, folks need $15 an hour at least, you know, um, Gangsters Growers was birthed out of that, right, in 2016. Um, can you, can you real, really quickly, I don't know that all of our listeners know this, but uh, could you tell us what the minimum wage in Georgia is? Five dollars in some sense. The federal is seven dollars, but Georgia is still five dollars in some sense. So, so like paying fifteen dollars an hour was was a very big, big change from the status quo. It was a big jump, and um, it was a big jump. Uh, it is, but it still ain't shit. <laughs> it's uh, it's twenty four thousand dollars a year after taxes. So, you know, that should literally be the minimum wage, $15 an hour. Um, but yeah, out of everything I saw, that's where we, I, you know, I got the idea for Gangsters to Growers. Um, I think, you know, Ron Finley being the Gangster Gardener um, put the words in my head because I really thought that I got the name from somebody and I kept Googling it, like, what's Gangsters to Growers? <laughs> and I couldn't find it. I was like, girl, you made that name up. Uh, based off of just stuff you've seen. And, um, you know, I went through this program with this uh, place called Center for Civic Innovation, um, which was like an incubator. Um, the sister, Raina Turner, who's one of my best friends, close friends, and still works closely with us today, was the program manager there, really helped me a lot with her um, whew, that's just as a mastermind does the black sustainability, uh, network. Y'all got to check it out. Um, putting, bringing folks all over the world, black folks all over the world together, um, to do sustainability projects. But, uh, yeah, they, you know, they were like, well, you know, Hey, what, uh, what's up with the name? Um, you know, maybe a, another name could be, uh, actually Rohit in this, other brother, um, this funder, huge funder. It's like, oh, Gangsta Growers, even though all the white people liked it, the name. <laughs> but he was worried, his brother was worried that other people wouldn't get it. And um, from that, I came up with the Come Up Project and actually was like, you know what? This makes sense. You know, the Come Up Project is the social enterprise, uh, the LLC that um, houses different training programs and cooperatives. Um, so that's what was formed. And we had our first uh, pilot program for a month long with uh, young people I already knew from the neighborhood that were formerly incarcerated and other young people that I canvassed the neighborhood around True Living Well, um, looking like, hey, I know any formerly incarcerated youth that wanna make this $15 an hour, you know? Um, we're gonna be working right here and was able to recruit about seven young people then. Um, and the idea was, it was kind of blending the camp, what we did in the camp, the different workshops with the camp, with you know just working on Black-owned farms, providing labor, and knowing that we needed to create a product because I, I didn't want to get stuck on this nonprofit industrial complex uh, whatever, uh, thing that they got going on, um, honestly. Um, so real, so Gangsters Growers, the program is yoga every, um, we've gotten to the point now, uh, rewind where over these last four years, um, without a lot of funding, baby, we've, uh, I've, the second program in 2018, which was to me, another pilot program uh, that lasted three months long. Um, we, I was using my food stamps to buy breakfast, you know what I'm saying? Smoothies and fruit and granola bars and, and shit like that for, for the young people to eat because we didn't have a lot of money. Once we were able to hook up with the city workforce development program and get the youth paid through that, during that program. And once that happened, I was like, okay, let's go. Not thinking about no budgets. <laughs> <laughs> not thinking about nothing. I was just like, cause you know, I did the camp off of volunteers. I was a volunteer, you know what I'm saying? I mean, this time I wasn't working, but um, I was just that like- That also made it real though. 
that's what I appreciate about it. Yeah. It was just real. And um, like I told you, I love that piece. Uh, so much of the, the coverage of you and of Gangsters to Growers is a little bit torturous. It's almost like white people going on safaris, like, look at them go. Um, mm. But the one best video was on Huffington Post, um, Green mm. is the New Black. And I, I really love the point that you were making about the name when people were criticizing that you didn't have a problem calling them gangsters when you was locking them up. And now that they do it gardening, now it's a problem. Suddenly it's a problem. Um, and then also that you come in from Brooklyn, because Brooklyn is the excuse that I use for my alienation from the lands. Like, I really support Black farming intellectually. Like, I can use practices a lot. You know, like, I really don't know nothing about this. And so, to me, just this whole journey you've been on is so real. So, sorry to interrupt you, but that was just one thing I wanted to add in. No, please interrupt whenever you can, because I'll just be... But, no, thank you. Yeah. Um, honestly, I forgot I said that. Um, but, yeah, I, I didn't understand the point of changing the name. Um, well, they thought they were, the name was going to change. <laughs> um, uh, if I if I ain't come up with the come up project, it... it, it there nobody would know you know what i'm saying the come up to me is like that's what we say in our in our neighborhood you know it's just the come up you know what i'm saying and that's and that's what we really trying to you know do is come up um but yeah gangsters to growers some folks still frown on the gangsters part and i'm just like y'all ain't <laughs> we're so complicit in I was watching 12 Years a Slave last night, y'all. And my boyfriend was just like, I was kind of anxious because we're looking for housing and I got this baby. We we have this baby coming. He was like, maybe it's because what you watching? I was like, no. Um, I was like, no. But you ate it before. Go get some juice. I'm sorry, y'all. Um, just real life. No, that's my life. That's my real yeah. life. Too, so I, I feel you. Yeah. Talking about his Kalu patty too spicy. First of all, you Caribbean you go, my father's side from Trinidad, my mother's from Africa. If you don't get your spice level up, I don't have time for it. I don't got time. Eat that color patty. Um and, and wash it down with the cocoa bread. <laughs> um, so, you know, I was watching 12 Years a Slave, and which I, I know a lot of people in um my community, I rock with everybody in the community, right? So we got the quote unquote hotel, you know holistic folks, the African center folks, my uh, nonprofit, you know, going hard in the paint for the voting, all, all the type of folks are just looking at the criticism to 12 years of slaves. But watching again, I, you know, I take everything that we can get any kind of honestly, I'm, because I'm like this 400 years of some fuck shit that we've been through. You know what I'm saying? We need all the things that really delves deep into what we went through. And I know folks be like, oh, it's uh, slavery porn or whatever they say. But rewatching it and the scene where he was hanging and using his, on his tippy toes to keep from like hanging for real. And the babies were playing in the background. The the kids were, the, the babies were playing in the background while the brother just hanging by, you know, and trying to use his tippy toes so he don't hang all the way and stuff. And just how normalized, it just reminded me like, I thought right then, I was like, yeah, we, we're just so complicit in having young people and adults just being locked up in cages. We're not trying to tear the jails down all the time, 24-7, tear the prisons down. We're just so complicit. We've been trained to watch Black people suffer in all different kind of ways. You know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, y'all want to have a problem with the word gangster, but we don't got a problem that there's children locked up in prison and solitary confinement going crazy out their mind um, with raging hormones, you know, <laughs> stuck in in jails 24-7 eating crap-ass food, you know what I'm saying, That that's poisonous, poisonous food. Um, and now we got diseases, all the stuff, getting medicated, um, all the things. And y'all y'all want to be worried about they pants sagging and the word gangster? Get out of my face. Um and then it just also reminds me of like, or makes me think about kind of the generational trauma within the resistance, the black resistance movement, 
Like hearing you talk, I was thinking I'm obsessed with this one talk that Tupac gave to the Malcolm X grassroots dinner. And he said something along the lines of like, my mother was a Black Panther and then she got addicted to crack. Mm. And at the end of the day, she wasn't out in the protest because she was in the house with us, you know, with us taking care of the kids. And there was no room in your movement for that. And mm. he said, you know, all of you former activists, you went out and became academics. And yes. you got every behind, everybody behind in the hood. And then it was the pimps and the pushers who were like, this is how you take $5 and make it 10 Yes. Um, and not that I'm endorsing like exploitative, like economic practices, but this is not all theory. It's like, how are we going to bring these people in and give them a way to survive? It's, you know, not give them a way to survive, but create a system. Yeah. Right. Create an institution that empowers folks with love, knowledge, and money. And that's what we say. You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry that we got to even have the money part up in there, um, but it's necessary to, to survive until we create systems of whether it's time banking or um, mutual aid, all those things. Uh, right now we need this money, you know? Um, so, yeah, I just, uh, so, you know, with the, with the program, we, you know, this past year we've gotten, and I'll delve deeper into what we do. You know, this past year we've gotten a good amount of money, more than we've ever had, like over a hundred thousand dollars within the past year. And we put that money straight to work because we're used to doing um, something with nothing. And my whole organizing, uh, my the all the years, not all the years, it's been two seconds, but since 2012, um, uh, I'm used to doing stuff with not a lot of money, just people, you know what I'm saying? Somebody brings something here, you know, really people are the main resource, you know what I'm saying? Um, but so it wasn't nothing. Once we got like $40,000 from Atlanta Wealth Building Initiative, um, which we do not want to be dependent on this money, but we will take this reparations right now. We'll take it. But once we got that from them, uh, 12000 just went to me. And I didn't realize I was working from such a deficit um, when I got that 12000 It was like my head cleared up. My, You know, I'm like, oh, I was poor. I was poor for the last three years. I wasn't working nowhere. I was just out here poor. Um, so that helps me be more efficient. You know what I'm saying? And then we got 60,000 from this other, uh, Andy Casey foundation or whatever, which whenever we act with, interact with any foundation, y'all, we tell them all the things <laughs> we're just like, yo, you want to talk to the youth about belonging in communities, Andy Casey. Okay. Well, they're consultants now. You know what I'm saying? You want to talk to them about how how they feel, what would make them feel like they belong at that that's consulting. You gotta pay them. You know what I'm saying? Um, y'all, everybody be in our communities, want to do round table talks and all this kind of bullshit. And um, y'all ain't paying people, but unless they have degrees. Like what makes a person a consultant? You know what I'm saying? What's that intellectual uh intellectual uh property? You know what I'm saying? Y'all be pulling from our communities continuously. You know what I'm saying? Don't drop a dime except for some lunch. Get out my face. So, you know. That's, um, that's amazing. I just want to say that, like, Khadija is always talking about how we got to get the barbershop and the corner store boy a sabbatical, right? Like, <laughs> like that's that. a nice gig that we have in, in academia, right, where you just get to, like, take a semester yeah. and, like, you do you. Um, and, and I love that you have enacted this in, in your, in your movement. Like, that's fantastic. And, and we're also like, so they gave us $60,000. We're also like, we don't want to do no reports either. We don't, we really don't want to fill out an application. Take a couple of pictures or check out our Instagram page. Check, check out our Instagram <laughs> and Facebook page and see what we're doing. You know what I'm saying? If you want to have a, 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 a Zoom call with the youth, cause they, they also were very active in, um, many different ways we move, you know what I'm saying? That people ain't used to um, when it comes to including the youth in everything, you know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, if you want to have a Zoom call and like hear from them real quick, you know what I'm saying? Then, you know, if they want to do it, yeah, that's cool. But like, y'all got to stop playing around with our communities. Y'all give us $10,000, $20,000 and then say y'all partner partnering with us or whatever. And then y'all get a million dollars because of the work we doing. And we still here struggling. I still, you know, and not that I need one because I luckily I have a partner that's supportive, um, but I don't have no straight up salary. <laughs> that's what, well, it's hard for me to get housing right now because I don't have no paycheck stubs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, whatever. That's, and it's everything will be just fine. You know what I'm saying? But like, we, we out here, um, 
anyway, so it's been good this year. We were able to hire three of the youth from former programs, uh, one that's been with us from since 2016, um, and a couple of others, and uh, working like three days a week just trying to get stuff together, fundraiser, the cooperative, all the different stuff. And uh, what ended up happening is the pandemic came down, and in March we shifted from meeting three days a week to, um, we shifted meeting three days a week to going to farms three days a week for that whole month of March. And we was like, oh, we need to put some food in the ground. See, this is what we talking about. We just caught out here in these streets, <laughs> you know, um, we just caught out here like, uh-oh. Um, so anyway, um, so we did that. Then we took two months off um the actual the money actually that was a stretch in that forty thousand because the money from Andy Casey came like in April. Um and we took two months off and paid everybody like a measly thousand dollars a month just to hang out at home. Um wasn't a lot. But uh we did that and then started a summer program. Uh a, a modified version of the full program from June to the middle of September. Uh, where we ended up with five youth um, that are actually the five youth that are going to be uh, the co-owners uh, of the worker-owned cooperative of our hot sauce. So rewinding <laughs> during our program. And now, and real quick, now we're in the, now we're a month and a half in of our first full six-month program. Um, which is what the program is going to be forever and ever, like a six-month uh, detailed program where they start their day with yoga four days a week. Uh, the fifth day, one of the youth that's been with us for a while does Tai Chi. Um, he's one of the only ones that hasn't been incarcerated. Um, and just is like, we just, we love his energy, Noah's energy. You know what I'm saying? It, it brings some balance in there. And he does Tai Chi, uh, start their day off with that. Monday after yoga, they do meditation. We got political education from different grassroots organizations in Atlanta, Southerners on New Ground, Community Movement Builders, Working Families Party. Um, Professor Griff came through. Um, uh, just any and everybody uh, that is, you know, that is doing some true work in the community comes through and drops some knowledge. Um, but those are like our regulars that come through. Uh, we do nutritional cooking classes with all different types of chefs, environmental responsibility with the homie Anna Marie from Fort Negrita, which is another cooperative, but it's when a group of people come and share in labor and in the profits of something. Um, when the profits could be food, you know, a buying co-op, you put your money together and go get a, a ton of toilet tissue and split it between everybody. You know what I'm saying? Um, but Fort Negrita makes sustainable products, uh, makes great sustainable products, um, reusable menstrual pads, silverware kits, all different things. Um, it comes to drops knowledge on that. We got the Black Packers. We got um, doing survival, you know, techniques. Um, group therapy every week. Uh, African and African-American history with Sister Maya from Sharon the Black Madonna, who happens to be Olu uh, from the Earth Gang's mom. I'm also a member of the Sharon the Black Madonna. It's a Pan-African Orthodox Christian church. We ain't worried about heaven. We're talking about what we can do to liberate Black folks right now. <laughs> um, we got 4,000 acres of land in South Carolina, um, housing, uh, all the things in the West End. Um, you know, Can I ask you yeah. a political education question? One shout out to Earth Gang. I mess with Earth Gang. I feel like people don't give them enough love. <laughs> um, uh, what was I going to ask you? Oh, the political education question I had is that I don't know how active you are on Twitter, but when you were talking earlier about like having the hoteps in your community and the holistic people, mm -hmm. I think about LLC Twitter, and they're always saying like, you know, for example, when the stimulus came out, you know, people are out here buying sneakers. Why don't they invest in getting a property? Why don't they start an LLC? <laughs> and so... There was this article last year in ProPublica about Black land laws following Reconstruction. So you have Reconstruction, right? And that was a huge priority for Black folks was to get land. And mm. then 90% of that land was systematically stolen 
um, through a variety of like legal and illegal measures, right? Right. Um, and so on one level, I see that it would take like tremendous amount of capital in the form of reparations to address that. On the flip side, you guys also have this like abolitionist, black radical philosophy. And so how do you kind of wrestle with that tension between not just supporting the very same capitalist system that's disenfranchising people in the community and at the same time demanding that, you know, people need enough money to eat and to live and to also to, to like build generational wealth and repair kind of the, the, the legal disenfranchisement through slavery. Yeah. So we, well, we have a financial literacy course um, with the sister Tawny um, where she talks about mindfulness with, m- mindfulness with money and all those things. But we're teaching the young people about cap- capitalism. You know what I'm saying? We're teaching them when we did our cooperative, well, we're continuing to do our cooperative development course, right? Through the summer, we started in Black August and continued through. We talked about uh, cooperative systems uh, pre-America, Right. Um, we talked about feudalism. We talked about the financial system, the banks, how the banks started not to be backed by anything. We're, we First, we got to give this education. You know what I'm saying? We got to give the background on this capitalist system and how it formed and what happened. That's what we do with the, the youth, right? Now, we're, it's hard combating Instagram <laughs> and how fly, you know, we dress as Black folks and how we need we always knew we wanted a, a product, right, to sell or many products. And um, we, 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 so Beyonce came out with that song. She was like, hot sauce in my bag, swag. And at the time I was part of swag, Southwest Atlanta Growers Cooperative, which we still work with those farmers, but swag is, uh, we're not necessarily part of swag anymore, even though there's articles that keep coming out where they ain't asked me no questions. Um, that talk about we get everything for swag and we give the swag, which is dope, but it's just not true. Um, but anyway, swag, hot sauce, swag was Southwest Atlanta Girls Cooperative. And she was like, hot sauce in my bag. I was like, oh, we making hot sauce. You know what I'm saying? And being African, Trinidadian, Brooklynite, whatever. I was like, yeah, hot sauce. And so we got our, our sweet soul hot sauce uh, with lavender, turmeric, dark Muscovado sugar, apple cider vinegar, um, down to the pink Himalayan salt, wonderful ingredients. You can find it on webuyblack.com and actually gangstersgrowers.com just went live. Uh, we have a little landing page and a shop there that you can get the hot sauce from. Um, and that's a worker, that's, we're building a worker-owned cooperative, formulating the operating agreement right now and going through cooperative development uh, courses so that they can understand how to make decisions together um, so that we're not doing the same thing that we've seen done where there's a a CEO and all these people making um two thousand times the amount that the folks that are actually doing the labor are making. So that's how we combat that. Did I answer that? Like, is that what you meant? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, I have this really unfair expectation that people solve systemic issues within the scope of the episode. So, I mean, I think that is like, it's like an open question. No, I mean, it's something that we're always thinking about. I mean, for us, we are working through a nonprofit, right, through the university. And so it's more a question of like grants and funding. And, right. Um, but it's still like half of these things are evil. Like, what does it mean to get funding from the very same companies that you're trying to resist, right? And no, so that's right. In the immediate, I'm trying to eat. I got five kids too. So I'm, you know, like I got to pay my rent, you know. Okay. Um, but at the same time, you know, on a structural level, I'm not sure like what the answer is. I mean, so I don't, exit I, you know, plan. I think you did answer it, but I don't know. Exit, exit plan. Get this money and, and form, you know, look at it as um, reparations. I mean, like for instance, I'm part of the Mama Fund, um, Metro Atlanta Mutual Aid Fund that was formed during this time of COVID. And a bunch of different organizers, uh, my favorite organizer, uh, Layla Abadir is like my baby girl, the 10 year uh, younger version of myself, smarter, um, smarter version of myself, uh, who does our cooperative, helps with the cooperative development of our program right now, just completed nursing school, whatever. Um, 
But, you know, when we talk about getting money, we Amazon wanted to give us money. We said no. Google uh, wanted to give us money. We like no. And they did not accept the money. Well, we did not accept the money from uh, the Annie Casey Foundation that they wanted to give us because um, we was like the way y'all showed up in community all these years. No. You know what I'm saying? Um, Author Blank Foundation. I, I got a, a very good friend that's done work in Westview with me. Um, so I was just going to say about Annie Casey is worth mentioning just because my research focus is child welfare. They're basically yeah. like the nonprofits laying down the policy to justify child welfare, snatching up our kids and endlessly surveilling them. See, look at that. Um, look at that. You know, not that there's any clean money, you know, like nah, sometimes no I think, well, money. I want my... Yeah, I want my money like one generation from evil removed. But like, even what does that mean? But just that on any Casey. But sorry, go ahead. No, thank you for that. Because, you know, we've, the way we interact with them, that's 60,000 and they finna drop some more. You know, we, I'm like, can we get a building? I'm, I'm just trying to see how we can be set up so we don't have to get no more money from nobody. You know what I'm saying? Honestly. And um, so we looking crazy. Like like a, a lot of folks are looking crazy as well. Um, we just make sure that we ain't out here. Uh, you know, they put a whole report out after interacting with us about how they need to interact with grassroots organizations. I hope that helps change some sh some shit. But they, you know, because of what we, you know, with the way we deal with them, they they put something out saying, you know, whatever words and words, but you know, how they need to, you know, follow what, you know, they can't come to communities with ideas. They need to follow whatever, just give money instead of da 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 da. So hopefully that creates a little bit of change. You know what I'm saying? Um, at least it makes me feel a little better, whether it's still, you know, some fuck shit. It's, it's all some a, fuck it's shit. It's still a report, right? Like they're it's, saying, it's like, like a report saying words are not the things we need is <laughs> words like aren't... deeply ironic. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you're you're right. You're right. Um, no, again, I'm hopeful, but like, it's just like no, it's, it's all it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit, boo. Um, I'm I'm gonna tell you again though. We we trying to get this building out of the hands because they got this big project here that they the uh, piss break yards and all that stuff. So we just gonna try to we gonna try to twerk this thing until we we. Don't have to take nothing from nobody in order to go go on to our 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 real project, right? Our real project is gangsters growers and building cooperatives, right? So another product, we're talking about hemp and bamboo, but we focus on industrial hemp, you know, hempcrete, uh, building materials, uh, insulation, hardwood floors, biofuel, silverware, chairs, tables, anything that you could build out of hemp and bamboo that you need for everyday life. <laughs> That's what we're trying to get into. We're trying to get back into industry. We want production facilities, all worker-owned and sustainable products with crops that are good for the earth. You know what I'm saying? That's our big goal. We're just like, I don't even want dollars as much as I want materials. <laughs> I want, I want, I want buildings. I want, we want a school, we want a daycare facility, you know what I'm saying? That will be cooperatively and communally run, you know what I'm saying? Because we got young people that got babies. The young people we already have now is 17. We got like three 20 year olds, 22, 23, and like three 25 year olds, you know what I'm saying? Half of them got children or a baby on the way or a baby on the way. So, can I ask you a question? <sighs> yeah. So on one half, there's like how to deal with the outsiders, how to deal with the white folks, how to deal with the funders and the foundations. But internally, um, you know, I'm guessing when there's a conflict amongst the youth or between the organizers, oh, yeah. you're not out here calling the cops, right? Oh, yeah. And so how do you, what what is the alternative? I mean, I know like the movement word is transformative justice, but like yeah. what does it look like for you guys to resolve conflict or even, you know, for some of the younger parents who may not necessarily have that set of skills or have had that right. model? Like, how do you support each other and resolve conflict without cops? Yeah, so I'm 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 only 38. I need to get on Twitter more, I guess. Um, but I but I need to do a post on like making sure folks know that everything ain't golden as as what you see on Instagram. Yes, we're doing some dope things, but things that have happened, uh, which we shared before, like folks coming late, 
folks, you know, uh, at the last minute, young, the young folks aren't used to uh, a nine to five or eight to five is what we do. Not necessarily used to it. That being um, some contention between that, you know, folks calling off like two seconds before they got to be to work and all that stuff, building that work ethic, number one, right? Um, that has been some conflict. And what we do is we talk about it and provide consequences. And the con- consequences don't look like you can't be part of the program. We had to do that with one young person because we gave him like 20 chances because <laughs> I'm not good at getting rid of young people. You know what I'm saying? They they end up getting rid of themselves, you know, by just not showing up repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. Uh, we provided child care and I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but I'll get back to it. We provided child care for the brother. We was like, we were trying to get him some housing. We was like, we got everything. Bring your baby to work. Cause that's another thing we do. We just like, oh, you, you need a babysitter, but bring the baby to work. I'll take care of the baby or we'll all watch the baby or whatever it is. And he just wasn't able to. So we had to drop him from the program, brought him back for the six months. He did the same thing, you know? Um, so just having meetings and having them talk to each other about expectations and how it makes the ones that are showing up feel with the ones that ain't showing up, you know what I'm saying? And what are our goals? What's our goal? We're doing something hella special here that I haven't um, personally seen done anywhere else, what we're building here. You know what I'm saying? The type of workshops we do with the writing, the boxing, and all the other stuff that I mentioned that we do, Reiki and and shit, you know what I'm saying? Um, Doula coming out, talking about natural childbirth and all that kind of stuff. So how you want to show up? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you want, you know, be part of this, uh, a much better version of Mondragon that we're trying to build, you know? Um, now on the other side, right, there's been fights. <laughs> like the last, 2018, the first week of the program, I was breaking up fights all the time because I, I have no fear of Black people. Uh, folks that do scare me are the, um, or not scare me, but I am fearful of, uh, is white folks because I've seen how they roll. Um, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so I have some fears around and what could happen when we get this thing rolling as hard as we want it to be, you know, really build this institution and it's a well-oiled machine. Um, but black folks, no, I love us too much and it's all based in pain, the shit that we do. So, I, you know, I get in between fights wherever I go. Our brother had a gun outside the other day um, drunk as fuck. I went out there, got on my knees to, <laughs> and told the brother, come on, come on, brother. We ain't, <laughs> um, anyway, so you, get, That's real. yeah, it's real. You know what I'm saying? We got to intervene. And, and, and sometimes it looks at, at like women, you know, women, grandmamas, mamas doing a lot of intervening, sadly, you know what I'm saying? Cause there's just a different reaction that, that we get in my experience over these years, a different reaction that you get than when a, a, a brother intervenes. Um, and until we build that trust in that community. Um, but anyway, so with the youth, you know, breaking up fights and having support systems, having folks in the village, educators um, that are already there pulling the young people to the side, you know, programs that they've uh, started and then defunded in public schools where they have uh, social workers that, you know, come and get the baby when they acting up in class and, and talk to them and say, what's really going on? You know what I'm saying? What you going through? You know, so most recently, longest member, Quan, from the program, been with us since 2016, never been in a fight. And then one of our newer members, Mooch, uh, or Javier, got into a brawl. You know what I'm saying? Because Quan has anger issues, but is a very serious young man and feel like other people don't be as serious. So that's been, uh, you know, some contention there. Um, but he also has this energy that he gives off that's very negative. And the, some of the other youth just are just like, man, just smile more, <laughs> you know, but we got him in therapy. That's another thing we offer um, to everybody that needs it. One-on-one therapy that we pay for. So, and then Mooch is very smart, locked down for two years. He's only 20, just had his son this weekend, but is a talker. You know what I'm saying? He loves to share because of some other pain that he's had growing up without you know, a, a bunch of stuff that's happened in his life. There's a void that he's always filling with the talking that he's doing and the ideas that he's sharing, but hasn't been able to find his way to give to the, the sweet soul cooperative and the business like others have. So 
Um, and also just want Quan to just chill out sometimes, you know, mooches the but he crack jokes all day. So um, we had a long day of playing Coopoly in the boxing class where they ended up sparring. When I turned my back for two seconds, I see they were sparring. I was like, shit, damn it. Um, and then later on, we had our reflections um, that we do every day and talked about the day and Mooch talking about accountability, even though he doesn't hold, <laughs> like accountability as much, but how folks need to be held accountable. And Quan got loud and they ended up, Quan <clears throat> ended up outside, Mooch went outside, and then I'm between them really brawling. You feel me? Um, getting at each other. And uh, in the same place that we make our hot sauce at church that we utilize, because that's another thing, Mooch girlfriend show up. He reaching in the car for his gun. Quan on the phone calling folks that he know to come up there. They threaten each other and all this stuff. It was like, damn, I was very upset at Quan. You've been with us for four years and you're out here. So what we ended up doing, we also have this uh, elder, a very highly respected elder in our African-centered community, Baba Wakesa. Uh, Mazimoto Mojo. Yeah. Uh, he does a war, him and his wife, uh, Mama Fia, do a warrior healers builders training. And during our orientation, we had that training where it talks about oppression and the way we communicate with each other or lack of <laughs> way we communicate with each other. You know, when we really are, it's hard for us to use, you know, hey, I'm, I'm angry because or really, I'm sad. I'm not really angry. I'm sad. So let me talk about this sadness. You know what I'm saying? Just the way we communicate. So we called Bob Wakesa up. We had Rico, the fitness trainer that does the boxing every week, come. Um, Charles, who's the farm educator who we've been able to hire uh, since we got money now, um, though he's taking hardly pennies <laughs> for his labor. But yeah, uh, Charles, you know, and we had a circle up. They got suspended for two days that Wednesday. Um, they came back, we circled up, and Bob Wakesa helped them through being able to talk through what the issues were. You know what I'm saying? Because they both said, hey, I want to, you know, that evening, Mooch called me and apologized, Quan apologized in our group me chat, you know what I'm saying, about their behavior. Because um, they don't want to, they don't want to lose the program. So it didn't, because the, and that's another thing, the program is so beneficial. And where else can you go make $15 an hour and do yoga? You know what I'm saying? And these these young men, and previously we had young women, they do the shit. You know what I'm saying? They doing the yoga. You know what I'm saying? They participate in the boxing. They love Amaria with the writing class. Um, they don't want to lose it. <laughs> they don't, they don't, we made it so fresh, you know what I'm saying, that they don't want to lose being part of this program. So they got themselves in check, um, was able to work stuff out, and we just been doing bonding uh and circles and and um circles. You know, since can I just can yes. I just ask you one point of clarification? I'm yes. glad that you mentioned that first part about you used to serve young women. Yeah. Um. So I just had like two kind of questions. One is just in terms of this like accountability that you're doing. Like, how are you addressing? I feel like sometimes the public conversation. Maybe this is biased because we're in academia, but everything is always shaped on educating white folks. That I feel like it sucks up so much of the energy to talk about what's internal the issues internal to our community yes. and i feel like it's becoming more of a conversation around like um what's the, what's the name of that blog the dude he used to be a manager at whole foods a uh, very smart brother he said black men are the white white are the white people of black people yes i remember um, that people are talking about brianna taylor and just saying like why don't we you know, pay as much attention to the violence that happens against Black women and the yeah. level of accountability with Black men. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, one, how do you address gender as a part of this holistic kind of education that you're doing with the youth that you're serving? And also how that so much of this is like male associated labor as yeah. far as the like the building and the construction and kind of the manual labor aspect. So I was just curious, like what what goes on in terms of the enrollment too around gender? Yeah, so... We just put the word out to to whoever. This last round, though, honestly, it was just a lack of intention um, this time around. Uh, the labor that we do is not male intensive. You know, farming is, is so many sisters, so many sisters that provide that work. And I think also there is some healing that needs to be done with these young men and women. And we're 
kind of providing that with me and having these dope sisters that are around these brothers. The, the therapist is a sister. So a lot of these young people don't have good relationships with their mama, whether it's a lack of respect that they've had. You know, I, I, it's really the crack era. <laughs> it's a lot of things that went down in the crack era that shifted the way we view uh, each other, you know what I'm saying? And it just trickled down to these yeah, young people. Crack targeted the kinship relationships. It's, oh I my mean, God. What, oh my yeah. God. So we have these conversations about their relationships. You, you got to hear the way these young men talk, you know what I'm saying? And um, about women. And we're just like, we're, we're helping with some uh, accountability around that and how they view women and why. And why? Why you view women like that? And it's um, it's a huge battle with social media, y'all. But yeah, that's, I mean, just to make it plainly, the, the next group will have some sisters. We'll make sure that we'll, just honestly, we'll make sure that we have slots for sisters, period. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm also down for the family unit to come through with the baby mamas. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The baby mamas and these beautiful sisters to the, the mothers to to come through and be a part of the work on co-op and us build a true family business, you know what I'm saying? And have the babies in, in our childcare. That's a vision that I have to tighten up these relationships, but it's so much therapy that's needed. And I, we gotta, we gotta get some more sisters involved in the program. We gotta get just period. That's all. Just ain't do it. We should. Um, first of all, shout out to your your unborn baby. I really appreciate that nine months pregnant, running an organization, doing therapy, intergenerational trauma repair, that you're mm. making time to come on the show. Um, mm. And so my last question is just, it's funny when you brought up Occupy, when I was 17, I joined the Revolutionary Communist Party and oh. it was in, it's kind of a cult, but yeah, I also yeah. had a really positive experience in that, you know, <laughs> learning about organizing. <laughs> I mean, it is a cult, it is a cult, just to be clear. Uh but I, I actually had a positive experience because, first of all, they exiled me by the time when I was 19 because they felt like my pregnancy was I was abandoning the masses of people in their interpretation oh of Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but it's also white people, some James Baldwin, Richard Wright, you know, trauma with the American communist movement. Anyway, anyway, um, I used to hate protests because it would be all off beat, be no rhythm. I'm like, there's no food. We going through all these barricades set up by the cops. And then when Occupy came, I had like similar feelings, but I saw like this round of Occupy City Hall, at least in New York, that became Abolition Park. There was food there. And to me though, that's like the largest linkage that I'm seeing with the food justice, black farmers movement and this larger like call for abolition and Black Lives Matter. Like overwhelmingly, like in academia, people still talk about this paper that came out a while ago by Tucker and Wang, Decolonization is Not a Metaphor, which is really centered more on in indigeneity and in talking about what that means. But I still like people still talk about this land stuff like it's a metaphor. You know, maybe they have an event and they, you know, I want to honor the people for whom they used to live on this land. But I don't really see a strong connection, but I'm also not out here farming. So I'm just curious from your perspective, like, what do you feel besides in the daily operation and the development of curriculum in your program where you're providing that um, knowledge base for the youth, what do you feel like has been the relationship between the core of your work and the other kind of activism and organizing going around mm -hmm. in your atmosphere? Well, um, like I said, Habesha and True Living Well pumped out like a good crop of uh, young folks that have now become my, my inner circle, just I'll see um, parks, Southern African American Farmers Organic Network. I'll see parks, Whitney, Whitney J, who also works with them, but also is a farm owner, Cemente Farms, Tina Myers with Mystic Roots, National Black Food Justice Alliance, like I said, which all of us kind of work within all these organizations, where we're just seeing that young people are, especially Alcee. Alcee's territory is Mississippi, even though she just, she'd be doing all the things with, for, for and with Saffon. Um, but she spends time, we, we have young people just spending time with Black farmers, right? Getting to know what they need, sharing, having them share their knowledge and holding events, not events, but like trainings and things on the land. We have an unnamed collective, right? Anna Marie from Fort Negrita, like we're all like just family and that that does this this 
this land work together and it's just like we're just forming ways and right now we're connecting straight up with Sapelo Island. It's time to bring people back. You know, we camped out and whenever we get on some land that is expansive, the young people play football. Folks don't from the city don't have an opportunity to just be on some land and just relax and and play chess or spades or just listen to music and sit by the campfire and just smoke some, you know what I'm saying? Or uh, you know what I'm saying, if that's what they want to do and just not be bothered. Like, that's another part of what we do. The young people go on to these conferences, Georgia Organics Conference, where it's mostly uh little Lily White or it's the the black farmers, or you don't get to see young people like them. We took them to the National Black Food Justice Alliance in North Carolina, whew, uh, um, at the Lincolnton Center, which uh is on Hella Land, where um it used to be a place where they broke in slaves, enslaved people, you know what I'm saying? And um it through reparations uh over a hundred years ago, it, it was gifted to uh black folks to create a school. And now they have um, you know, it's like a conference center, you know what I'm saying, on that land, and they're able to experience that land. That's that's what we're about to like, let's bring you on some land. We're about to connect with some Native American folks, you know what I'm saying, in uh New Mexico. How how do black folks and Native Americans collab? How do we learn from each other? How do we build together? So just period, future future goals, right? It's us, is us interacting with all these black farmers and because what they've done is send their children to school and nobody's coming back to work on the land in general. You know what I'm saying? But we got a whole crop of folks that don't have family that got acres and acres of land that are like, how can we be of service? And then we expose the youth to to that and say, you know, hey, this could be your life too. And we got all these farmers that are building cabins on their land so people could stay out there. Like it's happening. The infrastructure is 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 being built us to get on some land and I'm telling all the business, but, you know, want to get on this land. We want to build these production facilities with hemp and bamboo that our worker owns. <laughs> we want to build more cooperatives, you know what I'm saying? Um, and we want to train up some more people surrounding them with unconditional love, knowledge, and some paper in their pocket and a community that they can count on, that they, they can count on and learn from and grow from, you know what I'm saying? So... Um, we've, we've constructed a society where like having time and having space are treated as a luxury. And I think introducing people, uh, to places where they do have time and they do have, have space in, in the most literal terms is, is incredibly valuable. Do you have something you've been reading, watching, listening to? It could be related to the stuff we've talked about or unrelated that, that you'd like to share with people. Real quick, I got to give a shout out to Keisha Cameron on High Hog, who's also part of our family, distant cousin from uh from Alcee, where she's on her land just with the goats and shearing and doing stuff with rabbit fur and making soap and, you know, exposing the youth to all these different things that you can do on your homestead, which is uh, dope. All these sisters that are out here. Um, but what am I reading? Um, I... Uh, am reading baby books <laughs> there's actually <laughs> this dope, a book for midwives um a manual for tr traditional birth attendants and community midwives that you could tell is um you know for indigenous and native folks um, a lot of uh great knowledge and i just finished reading rereading uh sister well not rereading that's a lie uh reading sister soldier's uh, no disrespect her first book um, which we gifted to all the youth uh, along with uh, her midnight series. Um, yeah, that's what that's what I'm I'm reading. We've we've had a few guests now recommend baby books, and I really like the idea of people in our audience, like who just like buy every book, are like now going and like, oh well, I have to buy these these books for babies, regardless of their own, uh, you know, parental situation. Um, so I, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. This was fantastic. Khadija, did you have something you wanted to add? Um, yeah, two things. One, people with kids is the global majority. So hopefully a lot of people are <laughs> listening. I'm sorry. <laughs> they also I, thinking about baby books. It's I'm only sorry. in the academy that people be like 30 with no kids. <laughs> Everywhere else, a lot of people be having kids. 
the last no. thing that I wanted to say is that I just really wanted thank you so much for coming on, dropping knowledge while talking to your kids, while microwaving food. I just appreciate that you made this time. And two is I just want to tell our listeners definitely we'll link it in the show notes as well. But please navigate to gangstestogrowers.com. It's a beautiful website. Buy some sweet soul hot sauce. Contribute um, in any of the ways that they want you to to the program. Um, this is just definitely something we as an organization and we personally endorse. Um, and, oh, please write us at webeimagining at gmail.com and review us. It helps the algorithm. That's it, y'all.